Hey there, this is Pastor Corey, and welcome to the Branch Life Podcast. After you're done listening, I invite you to connect with us at branchlife.church to make sure you're up to date with everything going on at Branch Life. Want to share what you heard today? Subscribe to our YouTube channel and share this video with someone you want to encourage. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope that this presentation helps you connect with Christ and challenges you to reach those around you with the good news of Jesus. When you're a pastor, job interviews look a little different than maybe other jobs, and you get asked some interesting questions in some interesting circumstances. When I was interviewing for the first pastoral job that I ever took, I was in a question and answer setting in front of the entire church body. And anyone could ask me any question that they wanted, and I had to answer the question in the moment uh, without any time to prepare or check notes or, or anything like that. And as a, as a new official pastor, this was kind of intimidating. Uh, honestly, all of it is pretty much a blur at this point. This was a long time ago at this point. But there are two questions that I still remember to this day. The first question had something to do with my intention to stay at the church for a reasonable or a prolonged period of time. And somehow, I managed to answer that question in a way that I accidentally communicated that I was looking forward to taking the current senior pastor's position. We all had a good laugh of it in the moment, and he was standing uh, in the front or sitting in the front near me, and it was it all went well, but it was embarrassing, and I communicated something that I had really no intention of communicating. The second question was somebody uh, towards the back asked me a question, and it was this question of, are you an evangelist? Are you an evangelist? I had no idea who this person was. I had no idea what exactly they meant by that term. It's a term in the Bible, and it's a fair question, but I didn't know where they were coming from, and, and I didn't quite know how to answer the question. Part of the reason why that was a question that kind of made me gulp and took me back for a second, and is one that stuck with me, was Growing up in my faith and then going to Bible college, you get trained in how to share your faith with others. And sometimes, in my experience, this ended up being highly confrontational and almost gimmicky sometimes. I had to take a class in Bible college on personal evangelism, and I did learn a great deal in that class, and it was worthwhile. But one of the things that really kind of chafed me was that we had to go and do opportunities of street witnessing to, to people. They would drop us off in a neighborhood, and they would give us a pad of surveys that we were supposed to go and engage random strangers with to get their opinion on things. And then the last two questions of the survey were designed to highlight people's need for Jesus. We can debate whether or not that's a good idea for personal evangelism or not, but the problem that I had with it, besides just the utter terror of talking to complete strangers as a college student, was at the end of the night, unless somebody was interested in having another spiritual conversation, we just threw out all the surveys. 
We weren't really interested in listening to what people wanted. We just kind of wanted to trick them, in my opinion, into having an evangelistic conversation. Today, we're talking about rhythms for your one. We're talking about how you might intentionally engage with others that you're seeing and praying and hoping would become followers of Jesus Christ. And this may make all of us gulp just a little bit. But the thing that I want to encourage us with and remind you, and, and that is that this, it goes along with all the rest of our series. And just to remind you where we've been, we talked first about kind of rhythms for our own personal spiritual life. And the amazing thing is that those rhythms are not just for our own edification. They have an end in mind, and it involves others. We talked about rhythms for our family, and again, it's great to invest in one another, but God has something more for our families than just having a great experience in our home. It's mobilizing us for what He has for each of us to do for others. And then last week, Pastor Josh shared and talked about rhythms that are essential for our church and being involved in church. And it's not just that we want Branch Life to be the greatest church ever. I mean, of course, it obviously already is. But the point is that we would have an impact that lasts for eternity in the lives of others. And this reality is that the rhythm that God establishes in each of these areas is for a much greater purpose. We could say it this way, the rhythms God establishes for us are the rhythms of His mission. The, the rhythms that God establishes for us are the rhythms of His mission. In every area of our life, we are to live in accordance with the rhythms that God has established for us and for His creation. And those rhythms ultimately all point to bringing God glory. And the greatest way that brings Him glory is when individual people become followers of His Son, Jesus Christ. In time, the the, the, the two weeks, last week and this week together, I, I came across this quote by Tim Chester. And full disclosure, Tim Chester has been highly influential, his writings in my life, and especially this message. And a lot of uh, where this comes from is based on some of his teachings, and I want to give him credit. But he said this, church is not an event. It's a community. Sounds kind of familiar to what we talked about last week. Mission is not an event. It's a lifestyle. We are called to live ordinary life with gospel intentionality. We are called to live ordinary life with gospel intentionality. When we talk about rhythms for your one, there will be times when we confront people Maybe confronts a bad word. When we expose people and share with people the realities of who Jesus is and the fact that he says that he is the one and only way to have life with God that lasts forever. And that is confrontational because many people don't yet believe that. But rather than thinking of dropping into a neighborhood 
or ambushing your coworker or your neighbor or family member and diving into some conversation that we may have kind of tricked them to getting into. If we would do this and live with the rhythms that we're going to talk about today, God will open up natural opportunities to share the gospel. We've been talking about rhythms for your one in our church since its beginning. And we've captured it usually with this phrase, pray, invest, invite. Pray, invest, invite. The, the first aspect of the rhythm that we want to highlight and remind ourselves of today is this idea of praying for our one. It is so vital that whatever we do and whatever rhythms we establish, it is bathed in prayer. I would say it this way, that rhythms without prayer may result in friendship, but they won't produce spiritual fruit. Rhythms without prayer may result in friendship, but they won't produce spiritual fruit. I know that I've had times in my life where I've done a better job at living with these rhythms, and I've done a, a worse job. And I've certainly had times where there have been circumstances where I've bathed it more in prayer or less in prayer and maybe to my shame occasionally not at all in prayer. I can think of my working career before I entered into official pastoral ministry and think of co-workers that I had. Some of them uh, became good friends in, in those years and that stretch and period of my life. Some of them I prayed for regularly and I had chances to, to share the gospel, and I did that, and I engaged with them. Others, for whatever reason, didn't get on my prayer list. And while we became decent work friends, there was never the spiritual fruit, at least that I had anything to do with, that, that resulted in them coming to be followers of Christ or, or even to have those types of spiritual conversations. As we talk about the living the ordinary life with gospel intentionality, it is vital that we remember that we have to have God's involvement in the ordinary things. A verse that's one of our kind of theme verses uh, as a church reminds us of this. John 15 verse 4 says, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. If we do not talk with God, if we do not share our desire for someone to come to know Jesus with him, God is in control and can bring that person to, to a saving knowledge of him, but chances are it's probably not going to have a whole lot to do with us. And isn't it great to be part of someone's salvation story. A passage that we often refer to when we talk about pray, invest, invite is Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 and following. And it says there, Paul highlights the need for prayer and the task of sharing Jesus with others. He says there, and asks the Colossians, say, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which 
I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Paul said, hey, I want you to pray for opportunities for me to have to share the gospel. I want you to pray that I would have boldness in sharing the gospel, and then that I would have wisdom in speaking the appropriate words. And those are great words that we can pray for ourselves, and we can pray for one another as our church family. And I would issue this challenge to you in regards to this rhythm of prayer, that this week, that you would pray every day for opportunities to share the gospel with your one and your neighbors. God has providentially placed us in all sorts of different neighborhoods and communities around our area. It's almost like he knew what he wanted, he knew what he was doing if everyone was to come to know the Lord. There's believers in all these different communities. And if we would pray for our one who we may work with, but may live in a different area, even a different state, or something like that, but also our neighbors, that we could share Jesus with them. And I would encourage you to take this challenge of praying every day this week for your one and for your neighbors. So then we talk about and we ask this question, what rhythms lead to gospel conversations? What rhythms lead to gospel conversations? There are probably people, and I know that there are, are people that I have in my life. Thankfully, I'm married to one of them, my wife. But that can, can seemingly just naturally get into conversations with people, and then all of a sudden they're having these deep and significant conversations about their personal uh, longings and fears and all of that, and then the door is open to these remarkable spiritual conversations. And some of us may look at that and say, whoa, how in the world could we ever do something like that? Well, I've learned in, in my life that, that when we think about how we can adopt investing rhythms that lead to gospel conversations. If we do kind of what Tim Chester suggested and live with gospel intentionality in the ordinary things, opportunities can, can open up. And so I want to share with you a, a rhythm, and it's this acronym BLESS. And again, we want to give Tim Chester credit here. This is this is his acronym that, that he's developed, and like any good pastor, I've stolen it, and now I'm tweaking it just a little bit to share with you today. But I want to talk through and, and work through this. What does it look like to develop rhythms where we can have natural and meaningful spiritual conversations with others? The first part of that is the B, and it does stand for bless. Bless. To be a blessing to others. And we want to think through each of these letters in kind of a pattern. That first says, okay, God, what did you do in this way? What are you asking us to do? And then how does Jesus kind of help us know what that might look like in real life? So we, we think about this and we, we say that God... Ephesians 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. God has blessed us with so much and so many things that we probably are not even aware of. The fact that we awake, 
We awoke this morning that we probably had some food or something to drink, that we had a roof over our heads, are all blessings given by God. The fact that He provides for our needs, that He gives us friendships and relationships and, and all of these different things are blessings by, from God. And then on top of all of that, we realize and we remember the spiritual blessings that God has given to us. That he's given us life with him through his son, Jesus Christ, that lasts forever. That we can be forgiven of our sins. That we can have a purpose and a meaning to life that's given to us by God. God has given us innumerable spiritual and physical and tangible blessings. That's the type of God that he is. And then he asks us, and what does he tell us to do? In Galatians chapter 6, verse 10, he says, So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. And with each of these things, we could say and, and live out this truth, that what God has done to us and for us, he wants to do through us. What God has done to us, he wants to do through us. He has blessed us, and we are in turn to be a blessing to others. Jesus helps us know a, a little bit of what this might look like. And, and sure, he was Jesus, and, and it often took kind of miraculous forms that, that we may not be a part of today. But, but you think about all of the ways that he entered in and helped people. He met physical needs. He talked and encouraged people about their spiritual needs and questions and fears. He gave forgiveness. He restored people who were alienated and, and put out from normal society. And he bestowed honor on people. I don't know if you've had the chance to check out the show The Chosen that's available streaming various places. Uh, you can find it, but it, it's an examination of the life of Jesus. And one of the most powerful scenes in that show for me was the, the scene of Jesus and the miracle of turning the water into wine. And that, at least how it was presented in that show, and that's probably not how it really happened, but it captured the heart of Jesus, that he bestowed and rose up honor for a family that was in need because they had this embarrassing circumstance of, of running out of the ability to, to provide for their guests. And that Jesus entered in time after time after time to the marginalized, the disenfranchised, the poor and the needy and blessed them in amazing sort of ways. We ask the question then, who will I intentionally bless in word, gift, or deed this week? Who will I, who will you intentionally bless in word, gift, or deed? And I would encourage you in this moment that this is not just a rhetorical question and that you would not just nod and say, yeah, that, I need to do that. But maybe God is prompting you with a specific name and a specific activity that you would do. And that you could take cookies or provide a meal or do something to bless another person this week. Will you do it? 
The next rhythm that we want to think about is the, the L. So the B was bless. The L is listen. We want to listen to people. And the remarkable thing is that God actually listens to us. In 1 John it says this, And this is the confidence that we have toward Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of Him. Have you ever thought about the fact that the God of the universe, the God who made everything, the God who can hold the entire galaxy in the span of his hand, actually listens to you and to me? That's a remarkable thought, that we can talk to him and that he actually hears and cares and understands and responds to what we're saying. Uh, in James, it tells us that, that we're to, to be quick to hear and slow to speak, slow to anger. God's desire is that we would listen well to others. Jesus is a great example of this. Uh, in the Gospels, Jesus asked by one commentator's uh, recollection or calculations, 307 questions that are recorded in the Gospels. Jesus was a master at asking people questions, and he did it for a variety of reasons, but he always listened and knew how people responded. The woman with the discharge of blood, and this is in the middle of another miracle story, and it's my daughter's favorite story in the gospel. But here Jesus had been asked to go and do a miracle to, to help someone that was, that was near to death, and he's going to, to help them. And on the way, the crowds are piling in and, and that, and someone reached out and grabbed the hem of his garment, and it healed this woman as she reached out in faith. Jesus turns and asks the question, who was it? That touched me and there was a little dialogue about like, how do you even know all these people are piling onto it? But it finally they figured out that it was this woman. And then Jesus asked, why did you do this? And he stopped in the middle of him going and ministering to someone else. And he listened to this woman's story. She was important to him. Even though the miracle had already been done, even though there was somebody that was desperately in need of his help, he stopped and he listened. Who will I love by listening to their story? Who will you love by listening to their story this week? We're always busy. There are always things to do. And a common greeting that almost nobody actually means is, how are you doing? But what if we actually stopped and we listened to people? They would probably begin to open up and share what's actually going on in their life in big or small ways. And I would just encourage you this week, if you'll stop and listen, if you'll ask someone a question, and actually invest the time and the, 
the energy and your, your physical posture to show them that you're actually interested in knowing the answer. I think you'll have opportunities to have some great conversations. And who knows? You may actually be able to talk about Jesus. The next rhythm that we want to talk about is one of my favorites, eating. I'm a big fan of food. I, I like it in that. But, but the, it's a remarkable thing, the power of meals. And the great thing is Jesus did a lot around meals. God himself highlighted in Jesus came and ate with people. You can even look at Old Testament accounts, too, where God may have shown up and had meals with people. Um, but the Son of Man has come eating and drinking. And some, in this context, in Luke, were not exactly thrilled that this was the kind of, uh, of Jesus that, that, that was there. But that Jesus came and ate with people. In Acts 2, this process of eating together became foundational to the rhythm of the early church. And it says in Acts 2, 42 and then 46, they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. And day by day they attended the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Yes, the church gathered for worship together and they went to temple. But the, the main structure of the church in the early days was often around a shared meal together. And there is power in eating together. You think about uh, the, the people that Jesus ate with. And these is just taken from Luke. And by the way, Luke is like a master class on doing these rhythms of how to talk to intentionally uh, that lead to gospel opportunities. I'd encourage you to, to look through it through that lens. But he act. He ate with tax collectors and sinners. He ate with Simon the Pharisee. He ate with Martha and Mary. In Luke 14, he invited the poor uh, rather than free. He encouraged people to invite the poor rather than just your friends to meals. He ate with people. And that's to say nothing of the Last Supper or eating with the disciples after he was resurrected and the restoration of, of Peter that happened around a meal and all of these circumstances. Eating with others is a powerful rhythm. Now, that may be tricky because restaurants aren't all open or, or different circumstances in this day, but what ways could you eat or drink with people? If you want to investigate this theme of eating more, there's a great book, A Meal with Jesus, I'm feeling very much like a Tim Chester fanboy today, but uh, it's by Tim Chester. It's from Crossway Publishers, and you, I'd encourage you to check that out. He works through the Gospel of Luke and all the meals that, that Jesus does. But who will you share a meal or a drink with? Who will you share a meal or a drink with? I know we're watching at home right now, and you are watching at home right now this this message, or maybe you're in your car or someplace, but chances are it's in part because of COVID-19 and all of this. And, and I understand that in this season of life that there might be a little bit of an asterisk on this rhythm of eating with other people. But let me encourage you, as much as you're able and you're comfortable with and the other person is comfortable and safety precautions and all of that, that you might still think about eating and drinking with someone else. The fact of the matter is, 
we're all starved for connections, not just starved for food. And that your invitation to eat with someone and to do that might be in this time even more significant than other times. So who will you this week share a meal with or share a drink with? The next rhythm is the rhythm of speaking. Speaking. So we talked about blessing, we talked about listening, we talked about eating, now we talk about speaking. And again, the amazing thing that God has spoken to us and spoken in ways that we can understand. The beginning of Hebrews opens this way. It says, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. God the Father has spoken to us. We have his word, the Bible, that speaks to us and can speak to us every time that we open it. And we have the example and the embodiment of what God looks like in Jesus, the second person of the Trinity then we are to also speak and to share. In Romans chapter 10, it says, how will they call, this is in a passage talking about people coming to faith and, and belief in Jesus, and it runs through these questions. How will they call on him whom they not believed? And how are they to believe in whom who they have not heard, never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And let me encourage you, that preaching word, that's like something that Pastor Scott or Pastor Josh or Pastor Bill did. No, no, no. We're talking here about engaging with people about the truths of Jesus. And God has called all of us to be disciple makers and to engage people with the good news of Jesus. People can't hear without us speaking. People can't hear about Jesus without us speaking his name. It is great and wonderful and commendable to be a Jesus type of person and to do good, to, to not lie, to, to try to treat others as we would want them to treat us and to do all of those things. But if we think that that is going to result in people coming to faith in Jesus and that alone, chances are it's not going to happen. People need to hear actual, audible words about Jesus and the good news about him to come to faith. We look at, at Jesus, and yeah, Jesus did deliver sermons and, and that, but a lot of his teaching that, that came in the form of dialogue. That's a fancy way of saying conversations. He talked with people. He asked them questions. They asked Jesus' questions in return, they went back and forth and they talked about the good news of the gospel. Luke chapter 4 says that Jesus was sent to preach the good news. It's just always a good point to, to pause and to, to say, do you know the good news? Uh, you can go to, to our website, branchlife.church slash the gospel, and see there the message of the good news about Jesus Christ. And I'll give you a spoiler alert. This is it. God loves 
the world so much that he sent his only son, Jesus. And that whosoever believes on him will have everlasting life. We need Jesus because we've sinned against God and sinned against one another. We're in trouble before God and in danger of an eternity separated from him in a place called hell. Not a great place. But God loves us and sent his son so that we can have life and forgiveness with him and that Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins and he rose from the grave to demonstrate that the payment had been made and that we can have life with God that lasts forever. So I ask the question today, have you placed your faith in Jesus Christ? If you've not, today could be the day. Now could be the moment. For those of us that are followers of Jesus, we ask the question, who will I intentionally speak good news to? Who will I intentionally speak good news to? There may be a family member, there may be somebody that you're already in conversation with that you say, this is the week that I need to share a good news message with them. It doesn't necessarily have to be a whole uh, launching into the whole gospel message, but that you would remind people of the goodness of Jesus, of the rest that he can provide, of the hope and the encouragement, that we don't have to be anxious because of who God is, that he loves us and that he cares for us. Who will you speak the good news to? The last rhythm is this idea of Sabbath and celebration. So we've talked about blessing, we've talked about listening, eating, speaking, and now we talk about Sabbath and celebration. Sabbath may be a little bit of a, of a funny word to us. Uh, it basically means resting. It was a day that was to be set aside in the Old Testament for rest and, and for celebration, as we'll find. And it's, it's based in what God did, surprisingly. Genesis 2 Verses 1 and 2 says this, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. And God goes on and, and gives all sorts of instructions to Old Testament Israel regarding the Sabbath and, and what, were, what they were to do with that. And that may not exactly apply to us today, but... In Hebrews chapter 4, taking on all those pictures from the Old Testament, it says, For we who have believed enter that rest. And the rest that was supposed to be a weekly rhythm, the rest like in Leviticus 23 and 25 that was supposed to be kind of part of the, the religious holidays and celebrations of Old Testament Israel, there were uh, Sabbath years and Jubilee years. There were different holidays that were to be treated as Sabbaths and all of these things. So it was resting and celebrating. They were to all point to the ultimate rest and celebration that we have through Jesus Christ. Jesus liked to rest and celebrate. He did things like going to weddings and funerals. He participated in holidays and the celebrations of them. And then he retreated, sometimes by himself, but oftentimes with his close disciples, and spent time with a small group of people just resting and enjoying 
God and his blessings and his creation. Who will you, who will I rest and celebrate, with whom will I rest and celebrate God's blessings? Who can you enter in and celebrate and rest with this week? You know, our lives are filled with moments of celebration, whether it's birthday parties or anniversaries, Valentine's Day, guys, just a warning, Valentine's Day is coming up. Uh, all of these things, and they're great, but we can also enter into them with gospel intentionality and highlight and capture them. And when we celebrate in a way that points others to Jesus, and when we rest and don't just binge watch the latest show, and, but we, we reflect on God's goodness and we do it with others, it can be a powerful moment. Lastly, as we conclude, we think about, we've talked about praying and we've spent a lot of time today on what it looks like to actually invest in others. We need to then invite others to follow Jesus. And there's a simple equation that I would say, if we pray and we make relational investments it will result in opportunities to invite. Prayer and relationship, relational investments made with gospel intentionality result in natural opportunities to invite. Paul, in that Colossians passage, says, Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of your time. Invest in people. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. The amazing thing is, rather than us having to create opportunities, and certainly rather than us just having to ambush people with conversations about the gospel, uh, God's design seems to be that when we live with these rhythms in mind, it opens to the doors to people saying, what in the world is going on with you? Tell me more. And then we just pray and we say, help me know what to say when those doors are open. We do need to take bold steps to begin conversations. But oftentimes when we live all of life with gospel intentionality, we'll find ourselves in natural conversations with our family, our friends, our ones, and our neighbors, where they're asking us, what in the world is going on? Here's an inviting challenge for you this week. Invite someone to an in-person connection opportunity this week. Invite someone to an in-person connection opportunity. Sure, that could be Sundays at Branch Life at one of our in-person sites, or that could be getting coffee, that could be going on a walk, that could be whatever the, the appropriate thing is to do, but that you would invite person, invite someone else, invite your one, invite a neighbor to some type of appropriate opportunity to be together in we trust that, that these rhythms and this rhythm of inviting your one has been an encouragement to you. Let me pray with you, and then I've got one last uh, opportunity for you. God, we pray that you would use us in a powerful way to invest in others. That, and then that we would have the opportunity to invite them to follow you. And then, God, that you would do the great work of giving them spiritual life and new eyes and a new destiny because of your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. 
We've talked about four different rhythms for your life, and this grid of bless is actually a great tool of how to evaluate and plan for doing each of these four rhythms. Your individual spiritual life, your family life, your church life, and now your life with others and for others. If you're interested in receiving just a, a, a page or a PDF of how you can use this grid of blessed to work through all of these things, please mention it in your connection card that you can fill out at branchlife.church connect and we will email it to you right away. Thanks and have a great day.